Hello and welcome to the WordPress Chick Podcast. Brought to you by the WPChick.com. WordPress explained for those of us who get headaches when we hear words like PHP and functions, but want to make money with their WordPress sites. No boring code snippets here. Just WordPress happiness made easy. Now, here's your host, Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick. So it's no doubt that I'm a total geek when it comes to visual stuff, right? Like, I have this bent this bend. I don't know what the correct term would be there, but I have this inclination towards design. I love it. I appreciate it. I am not a designer, but I really, um, I love graphics and visual, all of that stuff. And so I was super excited when I connected with today's guest, Julie Harris of Julie Harris Designs, um, simply because I love what she does. And so much for me that I'm finding lately online is is when I resonate with who somebody is and how they show up, right? And that's how I feel about Julie. You're going to love her to pieces. She's done a phenomenal job quickly building an amazing community online through this Facebook group, Creatives Corner, and all the links are in the show notes. Um, but you know, you guys know me and it's like, I love sort of doing the digging and like, how did you start your business? So it's not just about design, guys. It Today's interview is really going to show you um, what she's doing to build this because her business is still fairly new and she's really making a splash and not to mention you're just going to adore her pieces so enjoy the interview today is julie harris of julie harris designs hey what's up everybody welcome to another awesome episode of the wordpress shape podcast and of course i'm saying it's awesome because i've got another awesome guest and I'm going to overuse that word like 12 times in this interview, I'm sure. <laughs> That's just how I roll. Um, I'm super excited, though, because I, I am not a professionally trained designer, but I definitely appreciate design and branding and all of that wonderful goodness. So I'm super excited today. My guest is Julie Harris of Julie Harris Design. So Julie, thank you so much for being here today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I am so excited to be here with everyone. Yeah, you just you're doing some, some so much amazing stuff online. I was like, okay, we gotta get your name out there. We gotta share you <laughs> with the world. So um Thank you. You're welcome. So before we get into your business though, I would love to hear a little bit about your story, sort of the backstory and, and what brought you here. What were you doing before you launched this? Uh, before Julie Harris Design, um I was actually just sort of uh, working a day job like any other average business. Um, I was currently working at a local bank here in Hawaii. For anybody who is not aware, I do live in Hawaii. So um, moved out here after college. Wasn't totally sure what I wanted to do. I had a degree in education. I had a boyfriend I was totally head over heels for and I had every opportunity in front of me. I just wasn't really sure what direction I wanted to take it. So I started just sort of little jobs here and there. I started studying more digital design and online graphic design. I had been heavily into social media and my degree is in entertainment business and marketing. So kind of infusing all those things together, I sort of fell into this interest of brand development, brand design. I started blogging just to kind of put my thoughts out there and provide resources that I found were really helpful to other businesses or other bloggers who, like me, were really interested in creating unique online and offline experiences. Okay, so holy moly, I got to back up the train here for a second because so you were not professionally trained in design at all. No, not uh, digital design at all. Oh my God, girl, you have some wicked skills. (laughs) I have some wicked resources that I was more than to share. But <clears throat> there's so many opportunities online as it is for education, self-empowerment, design abilities. I mean, Creative Live, Lynda.com, Pinterest. I can name you 10 million different blogs that I follow that have just the best resources ever. So for anybody who's interested in this kind of development, the resources are there to educate yourself. It's just committing the time and diligence to make it happen. I could not agree more. You know, it's funny. It's like when I tell, I'm like, I'm not a coder or a programmer. I just was totally self-taught. I fell in love with WordPress and I'm like, I am committed to doing something online for myself. And it's, I think half of it is sticking with it too. It, you know, cause you're going to have those days, right? Where you're like, okay, this is way harder than I thought or something doesn't work or something's not gelling. And it's like just every day, one foot in front of the other. Exactly. And with design, especially digital design, WordPress, anything online, it's such an ever-changing industry with just new applications changing platforms. You constantly have to stay on top of all the new updates that are happening. And so that's part of the reason why I love it so much is just the ability to constantly have new things to learn and study. It's never the same. It's There's always something exciting going on and somebody new to meet. 
and new resources to discover. So it's kind of just like an adventure map all on its own. Totally love that. You know, it's funny that I think that's why I love it too. It's like, there's constantly something new to learn. And, you know, I, and this isn't the question. So I'm totally going to throw you for um, a loop here, but oh. I, I would love your opinion on this because I think what happens, well, it's kind of tied into when we talk about branding, but I, I think as you learn more and as the web evolves, any online business should evolve with it, right? I mean, you're not going to be the same business in five years that you are today. So, you know, I think, what are your thoughts on that element of, look, you need to evolve and change and grow as, as technology does, as your industry does, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I completely agree with kind of everything you just said, where I, I don't necessarily see it so much as change, but as growth, but as a business, whether you're online or offline, or whether you're not a business owner, you're just a person, individual, whatever it is that you're doing, and just con- growth is a part of life and moving forward. And it's crucial to be able to do so in order to continuously challenge yourself to want more and do more and provide more value to the people who are around you. You get to a point of no growth and you're no longer really providing any value to yourself even, or you're community of people that follow you and there's nothing worse than just feeling stuck in your business or in life or whatever it is that you're doing that to continuously grow and change just provides opportunities opens new doors and you just surprise yourself at where your life takes you when you open yourself up to those opportunities well absolutely and i think your point in terms of you know how you're serving your audience your clients uh your you know the people who have invested whether it's name and email or their money whatever that looks like you know that I think, and which I've got all these great branding questions for you too, but it's funny. I was having a conversation with someone the other day about um, a previous mentor and where the mentor's grown on, but they're still, they've grown kind of past what the initial teaching was about, which totally makes sense. However, you can't, you can't, let me give you an example. It would be like me keeping the WordPress shit going and running and then someone saying, well, what's new in WordPress? And I'm like, well, I don't know. This is what I was doing two years ago. Exactly. You know, it just, it just wouldn't work. So I think, mm-hmm. And I think if you're not in that place where you don't want to be doing what you're doing two years ago, or you would move past that, then you need to shift your branding and your positioning. Definitely. It's, it's crucial to your survival as a, as a leader or a thought leader in your industry, as a, a leading professional in your market and as accredited individual that people will trust. I mean, everything is based on trust, trust of your audience, trust of your fellow professionals, especially your clients. And you kind of acknowledged already that there's different levels of investment that people will put in you, whether it be uh, your their emails for newsletters, just following your blog as a general um, follower, whether it be social media marketing or financially as an actual client doing business with you. There's a level of trust and communication that's there. And if you can't continuously provide value that's relevant now and potentially in the next 5, 10, 20 years, then it's not as valuable of an investment to other people and the credibility will fall and trust will fall. Yeah, absolutely. God, I totally went on a side tangent, but I, I, I completely agree. And again, I think if it's not something that you, for, like if I wasn't interested in WordPress anymore, it would be sell the site or move on because it's mm-hmm. not fair to the people that come there that I'm not, not, not doing anything new or talking about what's happening or, you know, coming from that perspective. Um, okay, well, let's, let's jump into the brand today. And so tell everybody what Julie Harris Design is all about. Uh, Julie, Julie Harris Design is a digital creative studio that I have built. It's an entirely online business platform where I aim to work with uh, bloggers, creatives, small business owners, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, individuals who are looking to create a digital platform to share their thoughts, ideas, businesses, wisdom, and just to create a space that looks, sounds, acts, and feels exactly like they do. So I work on brand development and brand design. So I worked with people helping them better define who they are and what they do, and then come up with strategies to best get them being more productive and proactive with their time online, reaching their target audiences, providing value to their followers, and creating something authentically them that they can maintain and manage and grow with in the future. Okay, so I have to, what totally grabbed me was the authentically them. And I know that the word authentic feels like it's overused, but it kind of is what it is, right? There's a reason it's overused. People are craving that authenticity and that unique. And truly, that's when things shifted for me in my own business when I was like, that is it. I just got to be me. I cannot keep trying to, to fit into a box. 
Um, so how about when, when you were, when you were starting your business, what were some of the challenges that you faced when you decided to launch, uh, Julie Harris Design? I don't think there are any more obscene than any other traditional challenges. I think just sort of making that decision to start. I know that I'm a big planner at heart. I'm an organizer and I like to have plans and, um, strategize and, and have everything in order. And you can do that up to a certain point and then you get to a place where you just kind of need to go for it and just to start and begin and start getting feedback on what it is that you're doing, what you're providing, see if there's really a need for that and get going. So that was, um, the one first challenge for me was just to get started. I remember my first blog post. I like didn't sleep that night. I was so <laughs> nervous. I was like, Oh my God. Oh gosh. Okay. And then to share it on social media and get confident about putting your voice out there. Um, my background is in entertainment and theater. So for me, speaking and putting myself out there, engaging others has never necessarily been a challenge for me the way that I find it sometimes is for a lot of my clients or people that I work with. But actually seeing yourself as the professional, as the credible individual that you are with the experience and the education that you have. So getting used to seeing myself as an entrepreneur versus an employee in the past was a transition for me, getting used to managing my time and making sure that I was productive in my own efforts getting started. I think a lot of people can identify with just the overwhelmingness of starting your own business because you're the one wearing every hat. You're your boss, manager, employee, employer, human resources, tech support. There's so many different things going on that although I love what I do, there's a million other factors that go into just doing it. And so getting used to wearing all those different hats was a transitional phase for myself. Gosh, you know, it, it's funny because I think about that. And I know for me, part of it was this, because if you if look at social media as an example, it's not an option, right? For an online business. Oh, no. It's, it's, yeah. it's truly part of what you need to do. But yet somehow it doesn't feel like work, right? And so I had a really difficult time with well, this doesn't feel like work or like it's supposed to be hard. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and I really went through that for a few years. And it's like you said, it's like, okay, well, this is a business. And and I, I, I think part of stepping into that position is also getting to say to yourself, I control the time, I control my appointments, my calls, everything you do that you have a right to set that up. And and I, I know for myself it took doing it the wrong way to get to the point where I did it the right way. Um, yeah, because you're, you're hungry for the business, right? You're jumping and you're, and you're like, you want to talk to everybody. And then it's like, you start getting much clearer on the guidelines that you engage with people. And that's a huge part of my brand development package that I work with clients on. It's just establishing those best practices and guidelines to manage your time so that not only are you defining who you are in your business, but how you want your business to be perceived, how you want it to be accepted by other people, teaching others how to engage with you and how to work with you, how to respond to you, just giving them that identity that you're building. And that comes from all your actions. You mean, you can say you're this all you want, but actions speak louder than words. And that's online as well. So for me, my goal has always been to redefine what it means to be an online business professional. And that means using, although I'm on the other side of a screen, really actually making the point of treating it as if I was face to face with these people. If I worked in a brick or mortar business, how would I conduct myself? Okay. So how about like sending fun stuff in the mail? I have to tell you since uh-huh. I'm telling the listeners, like I've got a couple little fun things, like a postcard from Julian. I'm like, Oh, like they've totally gone up on my bulletin board under my calendar. I'm like, this is awesome. And I think you just taking that position, people are craving that tangible tactile connection, right? With people who are doing business online. It's like, I, I mean, I'm just kind of obsessed lately with look at some of these subscription models, Birchbox, Sparkbox, you know, there's all these different companies that are now providing, like you get cool loot in the mail, right? It's super fun or different ways that you can stand out and say, Hey, I appreciate you. Just, you know, it's like regular, I don't want to say regular, but offline businesses do this all the time. They send thank you gifts, Christmas cards, all those types of things. And somehow I think that we've gone so far digitally that there, there's like this, this yearning for that human connection again. And so I think that is just awesome. I freaking love it because you're already doing it. Um, so now is that something you work with your clients in as well? Like, is that a strategy you use when you're working with the client on their branding and positioning? Yeah, it depends on the business and what their goals are or what the purpose of whatever our project at hand is. But 100%, I think that to go out of your way, especially in a digital platform or an online business, to make that personal connection, provide those tactile elements, whether it be in um, 
I like to send cards and postcards, newsletters. It's fun. I mean, was, everybody loves fun mail. I mean, otherwise, totally. the only thing that I get in my mail these days are like my Val Pack coupon <laughs> thing. And, um, that was my garbage. Every yeah. I like pull out coupons. I never exactly, use Exactly. Coupons and bills yeah. and credit card applications. And I'm like, I don't need any of those things. So <laughs> for me, just to throw in that extra little hello just makes that extra special connection, just going that extra mile, making that extra point of acknowledging who it is that you're working with. It's all about just making that one-on-one connection with something, building that relationship and that community around your brand. And how do you do that? Everybody's different. But by creating that personal engagement, even though you've never actually met somebody face-to-face to really feel like you know them or you've gone out of your way to acknowledge that they are an individual... And that they're important to you, that their time and investment into your brand or your business or your blog, whatever level you're at, is valuable to you beyond just an email, beyond what's expected from an online business. And that could be anything. That could be actually setting up meetings, phone calls, um, little packages. It's like you said, all those cool little boxes that people send out. My husband has the Dollar Shave Club and gets super excited when he gets his little box every month. And it's just the packaging and the whole presentation of the product is gorgeous. It's really well done. And it's what I try to strive to help my other businesses with is creating that excitement around your products. It's like, it's like an additional experience, right? With mm-hmm. the, So, I mean, you're doing a phenomenal job. I just, and you say that about the dollar shave. I don't know if you heard they're doing a, there's going to be a monthly women's shave club. Oh my goodness. I, I know, which I was like, <laughs> I shave my legs off. I don't know if I've subscribed to something. Um, but you know, again, I, I, I think it's that connection and it's, it's like you do feel special. It's just, it's super fun to get those little things. And now when I see those things, I love sending them even just to family and friends. There's a company, total side note called Greetable without the letter E on the end. And it's like this cute little box and my aunt loves peeps, <laughs> you know, the little marshmallow peeps. So they had, they had chocolate covered little peeps around Easter time. And it's like 12 bucks and it comes in a super cute little box. And I just sent her one like to one of my favorite peeps. And it was like, who doesn't love getting stuff like that in the mail, right? Really? Who doesn't? Everybody does. Everybody loves something in the mail. And even it's just, and especially if it's unexpected to not let people become necessarily accustomed to it or to expect it from you, but to go beyond into the unexpected. What are ways that you can surprise and delight your audience? And it doesn't have to be everybody at once. It can be constantly changing but just sort of thinking outside the box, or as I say, like outside the screen. And what can you do to just surprise somebody, make somebody's day? It's even just the littlest things make the biggest difference. Absolutely. And like recently, like the postcard, like it doesn't have to be super expensive. It, ju- it just doesn't, right? It's a simple thank you card or postcard. Anyways, I'm totally going off on a side tangent. Let's get back to branding. <laughs> okay. Because, um, you know, I think we all have different ideas when we're not design and brand experts. Um, and I think people get hung up on a lot of things. If you could pick two common mistakes that you see people making, one, two, it doesn't matter. But if you could pick a couple of common mistakes, what are some of those mistakes you see people making and how would you fix them? Or what, what guidance or direction would you give somebody? Um, the biggest thing that I say, no matter what, is to start with the brand development. Start building your brand's voice, finding your brand's identity, not just in the visuals, but in the overall concept of what is your mission? What's your long-term vision for what you would see yourself being or you strive to be in the future? What are the core values that kind of dictate the actions of your brand? Taking the time to sort of define those in advance will make all the future decisions in your brand's development so much clearer and smoother. I find a lot of people that I work with get so hung up on the visual elements of them changing colors or changing images and The second of the two that I'm discussing here is consistency for a brand. Once you make a decision, try and stick with it. See what it's like. And oftentimes this takes trial and error and there's should no stress to necessarily like first decision is the right decision. I mean, I changed my own visual branding multiple times before I really found something that felt really authentically me. But I had done the research and the work ahead of time to develop my voice my positioning, how I was going to engage with my community that even though the visual side may have adjusted slightly, the whole tone and mood of my brand was very consistent. So it was easy to identify and maintain that as I moved through those other changes. So finding your brand's basics, your building blocks, and then just keeping it consistent. I 
it's nothing more frustrating than when I'm trying to find a business on a different platform and their visual marketing or their writing or their images are different. And so I feel like it's two different people. Yeah. And it just, I lose that, that trust where I'm not sure if it's them. So I might or might not follow or I might or might not engage. I'm not totally sure. And it's just making it more difficult for your community to connect with you. It's, you know what? It's, I have to share a little story is I had, um, I was looking at, and of course I'm coming back to it now, but there was a couple of years ago. I was like, I don't want to be the WordPress chick anymore. <laughs> and oh. it, it, well, you know, there, again, I, there's a lot to that community and the, the, um, how do I want to phrase this? I don't want to offend anybody, but you know, it's the understanding that business costs money and it's okay to sell things. It's a really hard shift for the yeah. WordPress community. And it's something I get a little bit ranty about. Um, but not just that, but like, I felt like there was other things I needed to say and, and I needed to be myself. And so I was looking at launching Kim Doyle and I've got KimDoyle.com. It actually looks really good. I'm, I'm quite pleased with it, but it was one of those things that I, I hired someone to go through that and I had to go through all these exercises and mm-hmm. like create a Pinterest board and define this and do like a brain dump of words and circle work. And it was the best work I had ever done because like WordPress chick was just like, I fell in love with WordPress. I knew the domain was good. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I just kept going. But taking that time to really step back and go through these things that don't necessarily quote unquote feel like work. Uh, because what I've noticed, like you were saying, a lot of people get hung up on, well, I want to see the logo or I want to see the mock-ups or what does this look like? And it's like, what is the message? Because I can't tell you how many sites I've created. And I go back six months later, there's no new content. There's no engagement. There's nothing happening. They've got all these big, you know, services and high-end ticket things for sale. But I'm like, what are you doing to connect and engage? How are you showing up every day? And so I could not agree more that that is so vital in in terms of getting the branding right is, is really to figure out that voice behind what the brand is. Exactly. I just believe that you are your brand and that your brand is you. Your brand is a visual, physical, audible representation of who you are personally and professionally. When you're online and you're doing business, you have to really, it's, it's even harder. You have to go above and beyond in order to engage and put yourself out there. When you're not face to face with people, you really have to make a stand for what you believe in. And by doing that brand development in the beginning makes doing that so much easier, makes engaging online on Twitter, on Facebook, Google Plus, whatever your platform is so much easier to connect with others and put yourself out there and really show that you stand for something. And I think that there's also a stress where people will will kind of work for a few years and find themselves in a niche that doesn't quite feel like them and they're afraid to change. Mm-hmm. And I also want to make a point that while it's important to keep consistent and, and follow through with your decisions, making a big change or repivoting your brand in a huge way is not always a negative thing. That's the direction that you are moving in personally and professionally, you're growing in that direction, you're becoming clear on what your goals are, then that's a value to your community as well. Not being afraid to make a major change, but keep everybody updated. Educate your community on what's going on and what's changing and where you're moving. And you might lose some people here and there, but you'll also open yourself up to a whole new market where you might even be more valuable, more engaging and more successful. God, I could not agree more. And you know where you talk about losing some people, they probably weren't going to be a customer anyways if, yeah. if they're not, because I have found there are people that as, as I made this conscious choice a few years ago, like I, that's it. I'm just going to be me <laughs> that the people who resonate with me, they're, they're going to be around forever. And the people who don't get it, weren't going to buy and probably are not an ideal connection anyways. I'm not, I'm not a right fit enough for everybody. And I totally get that. Yeah. Um, but you can't even determine that. So first of all, why pay for subscribers on sale list? If they're not actually going to be customers. And again, hear my heart. Like I'm not saying it all comes down to the dollar, right? But ideally this is a business. So if you can connect and provide value, the goal is to be able to engage in business at some point. That doesn't mean there may be people on your list for five years that don't buy until year seven. And that's fine. As long as there's a connection and value there, like I completely get that. Um, but at the same time, I think it's a very, the more clear you are in, and how you present your brand and the voice of your brand, the more targeted audience you're going to build. Oh, 100%. And I mean, that's a huge part in the brand development when you're getting ready to make your logo and do all these other things that um, Erica Madden of Olivia Media said in one of her posts way back when that like pretty isn't profitable. And I was always just resonated. Ooh, I, love that. Yeah, I use that all the time. And I just I credit her 110% as 
one of my favorite business professionals, but she just, when she said that, it just really hit me with, okay, I may look really good. I mean, I may think I want this, but is it something that's me enough that I can maintain and manage? And who is it that I'm presenting this to? It may look fantastic, but if it's not resonating with my target audience, then I'm not moving forward. And as you already acknowledged that, yes, you the, the financial side and the money should not be the, the number one marker or motivator for your business. I mean, you want to be in business to really make a difference, to provide value and to do great things for yourself and for others. And you do have to understand the financial cost of what that means, that you may have this brilliant idea and this great service and this great skill set and all this education and opportunity for people to self-empower themselves through your content. But if you don't have the financial stability to stay in business, you won't be able to continuously provide that for them. And that's detrimental to you and to your clients, to your followers, to people who are in need of what you have to offer. So understanding the monetary value of how you position your brand, get people used to seeing you as a business professional. And this is something I deal a lot with when I'm working with bloggers who are transitioning into business owners who are no longer just blogging about their content but are now creating services and products and opportunities for um, monetary income into their brand and making that transition, understanding that there will be people who probably won't ever financially commit. So understanding where they fall in your target audience. Is that who you're aiming your products and services to? Because if it is, they're probably not going to buy your products. But understanding that there is a market for what it is that you're providing and make sure you're creating opportunities for those people to engage with you and connect with you and future, maybe even invest in you. Yeah, I think, you know, the trick with some of this, and I know for myself that it was, you know, creating content, creating content. And if I could recommend anything to anybody is I would say offer something for sale soon and you build a structured funnel. And here, when I say that, I mean, you want it to be something of value and maybe it's something that you're nervous about pricing and pricing is a whole other conversation. But but when someone is new and they find value in the free content that you provide, there is nothing wrong with creating a funnel that, that all of a sudden you're saying, okay, you know, by email seven, I'm going to offer something for sale. And all of a sudden you're creating a list of buyers. And again, somebody may choose to buy, somebody may not, somebody may choose to buy from you five years down the road. But I know for myself that I trained people that I wasn't going to sell anything for a long time. And so then I get people, I get sort of the backlash of, oh, you're just promoting yourself. And it's just where some of my rants come from. But at the same time, it is a business, you know, and I'm on a mission to change this conversation online. You know, <laughs> did you see, yeah. did you watch my little rant video? <laughs> I did. Okay. But I'm totally on your side there with that. I, I completely agree. I, I teach pricing classes and the number one thing I teach people in those classes that I emphasize is the terminology as you're selling yourself. That it's not about necessarily feeling stressed about the money or feeling stressed about demanding the sale, but teaching your audience to see you as a business and to expect that or to see that you expect income for your products and services. And that's not saying never send anything out for free. I've done 100%. I'm a big believer in putting out things for free and, and offering resources and opportunities. And generally, it's stuff that's probably already out there. But I've done my own spin on it. I've created it all into one major resource or providing opportunities that then lead to the next steps, which would be my income-based services, my packages, my products, my um, consulting pack services that I offer. So guiding people in that direction, starting with the free content. Because you can only go get so far for free before I believe that you need to invest in experts that are experts at what they do, which might not be what you do. I think that you should focus on what you do best and just thrive there and invest in yourself in your future by bringing in those other experts to help make everything else that much easier. Totally. And you know, what's interesting is I was having a conversation with someone this morning and we were talking about um, a client of hers who was kind of nickeling and diming things and trying, really trying to like, well, get stuff for free. Long story. But at the, you flip that and then here this client is frustrated with the income level in her own business. Yes. And I, I know I'm going to get super woo-woo here, but it is, it is, it is law, right? It is true that at the end of the day, if you're not willing to invest in yourself, people will not invest in you. It's just an energy that kind of goes around. And I, I think that when you, you take yourself a little bit more seriously. And I mean, you can go too far on that extreme too, like buying every product and course and whatever. If you're not oh, going to yeah. implement, it doesn't matter. Right. 
But if you're willing to say, look, I'm not good at branding, so I need to hire Julie. This is it. I need to sit down. I'm willing to take the time to invest in this. I'm willing to take the time to do the work before we get into playing with graphics and images to take the time to really map out what this looks like. You know, it, it is that comes back tenfold. I have found every time I, I invest in something that I'm not knowledgeable on and then I, I show up and I do the work, it pays off. It's like I get that invest, investment back immediately. Oh, of course. I mean, and that's really where the value that comes from investing in you. Not only are you then financially investing in another expert, whether it be brand development or copywriting or customer service, uh, design, platform development, whatever element it is, you then can turn that value and that investment right back into your products and services. Then all of a sudden what you have to offer is that much more valuable and can be reflected in your prices and in how you uh, manage yourself or promote yourself. And don't Uh, you find too that... Like when you're getting paid what you, you know, that people appreciate the value you're providing and they're willing to pay for that. You show up like 150% harder. And that's, it's just in a sense that you've, I know myself and uh, let me try to explain this. So I don't sound like <laughs> total pissy, but when somebody appreciates what I do and they're going to pay the value, like I'm here for you. If someone's going to nickel and dime me and, and they're going to try and, you know, nitpick and explain stuff, it's like, I don't want to work with you. And no, we're not going to get on the phone for an extra call or no, I'm not going to answer this via email. <laughs> you know, I, I get into that sort of rigid headspace and it's simply the appreciation for my time and energy, you know, and it doesn't even have to be that financial. But if somebody approaches me in a way that is, is saying, you know, I don't value what you do. So fix this. Then I'm like, no, we're done. I'm not fixing this for you. And it's not just on our end, as far as our investment goes, but I feel like equally on their end, if somebody has to pay for something, they are that much more personally invested in its successful outcome. But if they're getting it for free or they're getting it um, for a discounted price, that teaches people to expect that from your brand and your business. And that teaches them to perceive you as a certain type of professional that they know they can get this for free from or they don't have to pay for this. Or So the value of what you're offering goes down, and not all the time, of course, but in certain respects that by financially committing to it, people are then personally invested in its success. Or if they have a say in how it's run or the outcome of it, they're going to be that much more committed to following through with what they've just financially invested in versus if they didn't financially invest. Couldn't agree more. And I did not mean to go down a total tangent with pricing. No, um, it's, it's a huge part of brand development, especially in entrepreneurship, because it's really, for me, a lot of the clients I work with, they're actually business professionals who've been in business a long time. They've just never actually gone back and reflected on their brand's map, where they started from and how they got to where they are today. And usually at that point, they're coming to me because they're at either a, a roadblock or a huge transitional phase that they just need more clarity and confidence in the direction that they're about to move into. And a lot of the time that has to do with finances and costs and services and pricing. And so that's a huge part of business development. And it gets, like you said, there's this like negative connotation to it. And I don't think that that's what it should be about. I focus on creating a really powerful brand experience. When somebody's investing in your services, make it the most exciting investment it could possibly be, that they're no longer worrying about the financial investment in it, but just excited about the outcome of what they're going to be getting for that investment. Okay, totally love. I mean, that's a tweetable. It's going to be in the post. Uh, <laughs> and I want every, everybody listening to know that anything that Julie mentions, all the links and resources will be in the show notes. Um, yeah, I, I just... I think it's really important and even to approach the pricing from the perspective of not how much should I charge, but what is the value and what's the ROI for the client, for the person purchasing this. So, you know, if you have a course that's $500, but, but if somebody goes through the course and implements it and they can then turn around and, you know, make a thousand dollars, isn't it worth it? You know, it's kind of like paid traffic. I wish to God somebody, and I've said this so many times, had introduced me to paid traffic years ago. Because how many times will you spend a dollar to make two? Like all day long, right? Every dollar that I can invest in that, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. And drop it down. And a friend of mine said, well, how many times a day would you spend a dollar to make a dollar ten? Well, all day long. Because where else are you going to get a 10% return on your money, right? And mm-hmm. the difference is it's not simply just a return on your money. It's one is if you can make that investment, you're going to get potentially a lead, right? So it's so there's all these things that go with it. So I think that when it comes to pricing, 
services, products, however you want to do it, it is the value and the return that the customer is going to be getting. Like what is, what is the end result? And that's, I think, how you price it, right? Well, if they can take, you know, a $10,000 webinar training and then go on and host a webinar that, and these numbers sound crazy, but I know people do this all day long and they can turn around and sell $50,000 on a webinar. Wasn't that 10 grand investment worth it? Oh, 110 grand percent. (laughs) Yes. I mean, and it's also something as far as brand development and brand positioning that services play a huge part in is who your audience is. I constantly am working with people where they, they aim to reach a higher uh, income level audience or they don't factor in the income level of their audience. I do a huge section of my brand development is on um, creating your ideal client or defining your ideal client, creating an ideal client profile and defining who it is that you're striving, that your services and your products and your what you have to offer, who is it that's going to be able to really get the most value out of that and understand how they invest what does, well, how do they see their income? How do they see their finances? I know this is totally going in a pricing direction, but it really plays a huge part in your brand development where if you're like, okay, I want to reach um, bloggers, uh, small businesses, women, young adults, where, I mean, if I were really targeting my own age group, a lot of them are postgraduates. They're probably not in major businesses yet. So their income level is probably pretty low. Their biggest income is probably going to be rent, groceries, car insurance, the traditional things. So they might not have the financial income to invest in the services that I provide. So therefore, my return on what I have to offer, I have to take that into account. What am I offering and how can I make it really valuable for both parties, for myself so I can continue to stay in business and for them so that they can grow their businesses? Versus if your ideal client is a much higher level income, Make sure your prices reflect that because when you charge a certain amount, people will judge you based on whether they think your prices are valuable to them. Absolutely. And I'm going to quote Danielle Laporte too, because she had a great quote and it was simply, it costs what it costs. And Mm -hmm. I do think there comes a point where, you know, I have a friend that he's got some awesome stories. He's like, everything's negotiable. Everything's negotiable. And he's totally right. At the same time, you know, are you willing to negotiate your value? So I, I think I've, I've turned business down. I'm like, thanks so much, but this isn't a good fit. You know, no, you know, and so to be able to do that and you can do it from this very loving, kind place that no, that's, that doesn't work for me. And, you know, and so that also increases your own, their perceived value of you <laughs> just for what it's worth. Human nature is fascinating. Um, oh, it is very we, much. So. <laughs> yeah. Right. But at some point it costs what it costs. Okay. I, I, I do want to get, I've got a couple more branding questions for you. Okay. Let's do it. I, we should probably do, you know what I'd love to do is like a round table on pricing and I have a conversation about it. I think it'd be pretty I was fun. Thinking the same, we need a table list for another talk. Totally. Totally. Like do a Google hangout and like, let's, let's have a conversation with a little panel and, and open it up. I think it'd be fascinating. Uh, Done and um, done. Okay, good. So, and everybody will have a link. This post will be live and when it goes live, it will be live. We'll have a link to that and we'll get that scheduled. Awesome. Um, okay. So, you know, I was talking to you about there, this, this perfectionism when it comes around branding. And I think this, that it has to be perfect comes to um, a lot of things online, whether somebody launches a course or they, or they uh, write a post. It's funny when you're saying that about your first blog post. It's like, I went back and looked at my first post and I was like, who wrote this? Like, did I hire a robot? Because there is <laughs> yeah. no personality. <laughs> and I'm like, there's no images or no links. I'm like, but I did it, right? I showed up and I did it. And so, you know, with, with that piece of, you know, wanting the branding to be perfect, you know, people use that, I think, as uh, an excuse before launching. So where where do you fall? What are your thoughts on that in terms of at some point, you know, done is better than not done um, and or launching it, maybe still getting clarity. What do you think about those things? Uh, it's really everybody's kind of at their own place. I definitely uh, support planning and organization and all of that. But like you said, it gets to a certain point where you just have to do it where I genuinely believe like actions speak louder than words by actually getting out there and doing things, you learn so much more than you would if you just read and studied. I mean, I when I made the decision to go forth and create Julie Harris Design, I spent over a year just reading up on how to create an online business, how to manage, how I wanted to set up my platform, how I wanted to be perceived. I read articles, posts, um, just any kind of educational resource I could because I wanted to be ready. I wanted to be prepared. But you look at a lot of your favorite bloggers and you can see the transitional points in their business that when you get started, give yourself a month and just reflect on how much growth you're going to do in that 30-day period. And you're going to be a completely different professional. 
once you actually start getting out there and doing things, you have to just at some point get started where, yes, I think it's important to know the basics on how you want to be perceived, what kind of person, what kind of business you want to run and just start somewhere, whether you just start with a blog and start building that up, start engaging on social media and interacting with other professional professionals within your niche, but actually start putting your name out there. So when you get ready to launch, you don't just launch to crickets or just show up and nobody's there. You can't just like set up your online platform and expect people to come to you. The web is way too big for that. And a great way to develop your voice and really kind of find yourself in your business is to start engaging with other professionals. Find a creative community that you can really identify with and ask questions. People are there to help you. It's by far the number one resource for anybody getting started is to just start, find a group of people, some professionals. I think the biggest investment you can make in yourself is to bring more experts into your life. And that will help you get started. Uh, you know, it's, I, I couldn't agree more with the, it's who you surround yourself with. We've all heard the saying, right? You're the sum mm-hmm. of the five people you spend the most time with. And it's, you know, I, I invested in a mastermind a couple of years ago and this absolutely changed my life. And it's something that I will always do at this point. Um, because it is really important to stick with, to spend time with people who have similar and not so much the same goals, but are going in the same direction. And I know for myself, it's really important to me. I don't want people that are complainers. <laughs> I just, I, like I, I unfollow people on Facebook now and I'm like, I don't want to see this crap in my newsfeed anymore. And so, but even in doing business, I'm like, we all need to vent. We all have those days clearly <laughs> by rant video. But for the most part, it's like, I want people who, you know, have that anything is possible. I'm going to go for it. I've got big goals and plans. And so spending time with those, you know, with, with those people. But I think, you know, I guess with the, um, just launch a piece, I totally agree that, you know, take the time to do the work, but like you were saying, just start a blog. Or I think one of my most favorite examples is, um, of uh, a mutual person we both adore and that's Marianne Manthe. And we connected through Twitter before her site was even up. But so I went to follow her, I went to her site and she's like, Hey, this is under construction, but go check out my Facebook page. I was in awe of the value she provided on her Facebook page. I'm like, I love this girl. Look at all this cool stuff. She's so a conversation and then a relationship grew from there. And I was like, what a brilliant way to build a brand and yeah. establish a sense of authority and value before the site was ready to go. Right. And I thought, that is brilliant. I try to tell people all the time, like with clients, I'm like, let's get your Facebook page up. Let's just start connecting and having conversations because one, it's free. It takes time, right? But mm-hmm. there's a lot of way to get market validation for what you share and what, you know, what, what people want and start asking questions. And so there are a lot of ways, like you said, I think if you are trying to get that brand tweaked, you can still start showing up in other ways. The, if you go to my website, the first thing that other than like my little slider that you see is I have do what you love, love what you do and charge what you worth. And the first two being do what you love, like you can think you really love something. I loved this when I first, if you had asked me maybe five years, like 10 years ago, what I wanted to be when I grew up, I was a Broadway star, Disney princess. And I was a hundred percent committed to both of those life choices because I'd never done those things. I just fantasized about doing them and they looked so glamorous and so exciting and so fun. And I was investing in education and planning and like dance classes, acting classes. But then once I actually started doing it, I really kind of fell out of love with it. It was, I was not enjoying it as a profession, as a side thing for fun and excitement. I mean, I'll do karaoke with anybody. If anybody's in Hawaii (laughs) and we'll go to karaoke. But other than that, it just didn't have that real long-term passion that I wanted to have in my profession. And so that came from not just doing what I love, but loving what I do, actually loving the practice. And so like we were saying with Marianne, who Marianne was the first blog I ever actually started following. I was really unfamiliar with blogging at that point, And I wasn't too sure how I was going to get started. But I was so enthralled by the way she promoted herself, the way she engaged with her community. And it really inspired me to start my own blog. And now she's one of my like closest blog friends. And I'm so thankful for the value that she puts out there. So anybody who's not familiar with design your own lovely blog, definitely head that direction. But there's a certain point to where if you don't just get started, you'll never know if it's actually what you want to do. If you actually enjoy doing it. Because if you don't enjoy doing it, then you need to make a change. And the only way you're going to find out is to just get started. Totally agree. And everybody, the links to Marianne's site, of course, will be in the show notes as well. 
And, you know, something else I see with, with people then who can do design and websites and stuff is I'm like, okay, stop changing your site. Just freaking start putting content out there and showing up like that makes me yeah. a little cuckoo. And because, because it is, it's easy, right? It's like, yeah, I could put up a site in an afternoon, no biggie and play, but I'm like, but where, where's the value in that? And so I trust me, I've got lots of development sites where I'm playing with tools and, and plugins or themes or whatever, but I'm like, when I see somebody who changes their site, I'm like, you need to settle down and, and do the work because changing your brand and stuff, I, I do think it's important, but when it happens so consistently and over and over and over again, I'm like, you're avoiding something. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the visual stuff hits somebody. It's the first thing they see. So, I mean, impressions do matter, especially online. When it's the first thing someone comes to and they look at a really professional, it's like, wow, this place looks great. But then what's next? What's going to keep them there? What's going to bring them back again? Because once they've seen it, they know what they're looking at. And they might just pin your cover photo, whatnot, to their Pinterest board of pretty images. But then where's the engagement and the growth and the interaction that really helps create a community around your brand in order for you to grow? And just thrive within your niche. So you need to be able to do all of those things. And while changing stuff around, I call it the creative's curse, especially if you're a web designer, you're constantly falling in love with new plugins and new themes and Mm -hmm. new trends. And you're like, Oh, I want to try this out. I'm going to try this out. But uh, what great example that I found, at least in the time period that I've been following her is Whitney Blake of um, Heart Narrow Design. She's revamped her blog a number of times since I've been following her, but you always know it's hers because her colors are consistent, her tone, her mood, her content, the way she engages is not changing. The visuals may change, but it's always within the same family of just, it all just really reflects super nicely together so that even though it's updated and it's changed and she gets to experiment with all these fun things, the changes aren't so drastically outside of her brand that she becomes unrecognizable. Consistency is key because it's all about creating an identity that people can recognize and trust. So whether you're changing things here and there, but you were using the same logo or you're or even if your logo changes, the colors and, and just the style is so similar that I never feel like I'm behind or I, I missed something or I wasn't able to keep up with something. And so that keeps me from then maybe feeling confident in your brand that I don't trust that you may not know what you're doing. So making that commitment to just making bold decisions, but also educating your community when you make those decisions, let them know what's going on. Yeah, I um, think there, don't you think there's a fear? Yeah. I'm sorry to cut you no, off. No, go for it. And I think this also ties in with people really showing up as themselves. But I think there is this fear that if you share what you're going through in your business, it negates your level of professionalism, right? Mm-hmm. And I have said to people who get stuck on content, I'm like, the best thing that you can do is blog and share your your experiences. That's it. Like I can tell you, the next solo podcast is going to be about a little bit about pricing and selling, but also the breakdown. You know, I had a wall where I was pushing and pushing and pushing and over the migraine. I'm like, I lost five days. I'm like, okay, something's got to give here. And so I'm going to talk about it. I have no problem saying I kind of lost half a week and did, you know, it's like sharing that journey. The best thing you can do to be able to relate to your audience. And of course you need to do it in a way that works for you. For me, I had to baby step into it, like share a little bit of this personal. And then the more you do it, and the more you realize that your audience appreciates your honesty, right? They appreciate that level of vulnerability. I mean, look at Brene Brown. Why is she so huge? Because people are craving that level of vulnerability, that level of authenticity that says, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one going through this. And okay, there is, there is a way out. There's another side to this. So that being said, do you find when you're working with clients, do they, is there a fear of, you know, really showing up uniquely as themselves or going against the grain? Oh, 100%. It's a very vulnerable place to be when you're creating a business, especially online, because people, I mean, I don't believe that people do business with computers. They don't do business with brick and mortar businesses or products or whatever it is that you're doing. They do business with people. When you go someplace, it's because there's a certain subconscious level of trust or or confidence in the person that you're doing business with. I mean, you think about like as your hairdresser, you probably go to the same hairdresser all the time. You go to the same restaurants all the time. We are, I mean, as a humanity, we thrive on consistency. And it's because there's a relationship that you've built with the professionals in your circle that you engage with. And I think that for my clients, a lot of the times it's getting that confidence up to find power in your story. Uh, the first first session I ever have with my clients is just 
defining your maps and explaining finding power within your story, writing your own story. And that is, okay, who are you? What's your background? Where'd you come from? How did you get to this place? What were those aha moments? Because really that's the golden nuggets within your brand. That's what makes you unique from every other designer out there or every other consultant or every other uh, Etsy shop or whatever it is that you do, especially online. It's finding what makes you different because then you're no longer in competition with the others because you're not the same. And you create a category that's all of your own that you can really market and push forward. And when you, and you mentioned, um, a professional that's very, like you said, craving people crave that vulnerability and that, that authenticity. And uh, another one that I know is very popular is Regina by Regina.com. I mean, people like think, see her as a friend. She's so vulnerable. She's so forward with what she's thinking. She's always herself. She's wearing her Ninja Turtle t-shirts. There's just, it's <laughs> Regina 100%. And it makes you feel like you're her friend or you trust her. So when she says she's doing something or she's putting out a new product, people are super excited to go out and get it and support her. Okay. So and because she's her 100% <laughs> herself, huh? I had to pull up her site. I'm like, okay, I love this girl already. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, she's amazing. I mean, she, I call her the university that is by Regina.com because she's all about educating entertaining, but more so empowering. And for me, those are my three key things. I, I get all my clients to really declare their brand's promise when you're creating content. And again, those are the things that make you unique is what is it that you can do that nobody else can do and finding Leave momentum me a comment, in and that and owning already, it. You don't have to have this dramatic story of how you got lot, started and all this drama behind your just success. Take a few minutes, go over I mean, to, that's know, what you see in the media and on television, but there's power um, there in being the show notes, normal. There's power the in just being the average individual it, who's made a conscious um, decision to become and, a small business um, owner. We'll be and talking soon. one of my favorite things or my big tweets is that um, we may be small, but we are fierce. There is nothing small about being a small business owner. So you should never feel insignificant or unvaluable or unworthy in any way. Because just by making the decision to go forward and start a business is a big deal. It's that quote thinking of Brene Brown with uh, Theodore Roosevelt, right? The courage goes to the man in the arena, right? Yes, 100%. Okay, so just, uh, we're wrapping, I'm like, I gotta even realize the time I could sit and talk to you like all day. <laughs> <laughs> so before we wrap up though, is, is there anything fun about yourself that you'd like to share that maybe people don't know about you? I love to cook. It's something I don't know if a lot of people know about me. Um, I feel like when you when you have a business, especially like on Pinterest, there's always this discussion, like how much personal stuff should I have? Like I have the most epic in my kitchen board. I am a huge fan of cooking. So like anybody who comes to visit me or anytime I meet anybody, the first thing I want to do is cook with them. And I like to go above and beyond. So I'm like a like pasta maniac. <laughs> I love my own pasta or pizza. So yeah, if anybody ever has like a really great recipe, I mean, send it my way. I love cooking. I just think community is a huge part of what I do. And food is a huge element of community. So it's something that I enjoy creating for whenever I have people around. I love hosting parties and having people over and cooking. Oh my God. I will send you a recipe. I personally hate to cook, but one of my oh. best friends, husband is from Italy. He had, he had a couple of restaurants. He has got the best gnocchi in the world. Ooh, I, that's my next one on my list. I, over the holidays, I make a, a lobster ravioli and I made lobster ravioli for like 30 people over the holidays. At Holy when, moly. It was a like full on madhouse of, People mixing dough, people pressing raviolis, chopping uh, lobster. Yeah, totally. And did you videotape any of that? Uh, no, but I have lots of pictures of it. They are not flattering because we we're working really, really hard. So I might or might not show one of those. Maybe I'll throw one your way. Okay, but I, I think we need to see some. Up. I think we need to see some Julie video. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Okay. Um. That's well, you know what? I'm telling point. you. I and I'm just. This is yeah. a little tip to everybody listening. But that that little rant video or whatever, because. I don't think there's anything that I've seen you do online that isn't you, right? So the video, so it's amazing. And this is just a, more of a traffic tip, but you know, Facebook, I shared that video on my personal page and my face and the WordPress chick page. And they both got well over a thousand views and tons of comments. And the point is Facebook wants video. And so it's a great way to just share more of who you are and pull your audience in. So you clearly have the personality and the background for a video. I think you should jump on it. <laughs> no, I still get my skill set up for video editing. Oh my God. No, you know, it's funny as a friend of mine said to me, he's like, so did you do a not did, did you, cause my daughter's actually going to school um, for video and she wants to be a director. She's going to college in the fall. And, but he's like, Oh, did your daughter, you know, do a, a non shaky thing? I'm all, um, no. And I have a selfie stick. I didn't use it for the phone. I actually have a good camera and a tripod, but I didn't do that either. 
YouTube, when you upload it, will uh, adjust the shakes for you and totally like when I uploaded it to YouTube. So YouTube is probably clearer than face. I don't know, but they both, they'll, they'll level out the, uh, the movement. Just FYI. That is my next major endeavor. As far as taking my, my business to the next level, I'm starting to do, um, creatives corner, which is my, um, private Facebook community that I I'm run. Glad you brought that up. Thank you. <laughs> of course. Yeah. It's in my, um, uh, my first thing, as soon as I started my business for my email opt-in, anybody who subscribes to my creative genius monthly newsletter gets access to the creatives corner, which is my private, Facebook mastermind community of online professionals, all various levels. I mean, all the people I've mentioned today within our talk are all part of that community. And it's just a safe place dedicated to the cultivation of the entrepreneurial spirit, really. So you can come um, get resources, ask questions, get feedback, uh, share tips, tricks, uh, posts, if you have something that's really relevant, relevant to the community. But something new that we're starting is community chats, where once a month, anybody who's part of that community can then host a chat where I will create the opportunity for them to share on a topic that they are expert in that would benefit not only the group, but everybody as a whole. So those are free open chats to people. And that's like the next step for me as far as growing my brand is getting more video out there, doing more video stuff. I'm familiarizing myself more with YouTube and, and getting more confident with just putting myself out there in video, which is like totally different than just writing about yourself. And yeah, it totally pictures. is. Or, you know, I do a ton of screencasts. I'm like, oh, I got to go do my hair. <laughs> Or like right now, I mean, I, I have a very tiny apartment and I live in Hawaii and it's very humid and I don't have AC. So a lot of the times I'll, I'll go out of my way, look really nice. And halfway through the video, I'm like, oh man, it's hot. <laughs> totally. That's when you said this was an audio call. I was like, yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, you know okay. what you need to do is you need to just go out to the beach, right? Because at the end of the day, there, there's an element to that lifestyle video too. And it's, you know, it's not like, oh, look, look at me. But I was like, Hey, I've got a great pool. I'm totally going to go do my video in front of the pool because yeah, the beach would be a good one. Yeah. Like, hey, by the way. Absolutely. So where is the best place for people to connect with you? The best place for people to connect with me um, is probably through that community. So I'm there every day. I pop in, share in two cents, comment on your stuff, as well as um, on Twitter. Both are great options. I'm constantly on both of those platforms. To subscribe to my newsletter, you can go to pretty much any page on my website, my homepage, my blog page, on the sidebar. Also right now for anybody who subscribes, I just released my super epic brand sanity workbook kind that of structure. <laughs> it's 60 pages of exercises and tasks directly related to building up our brand muscles. So um, core content, cardio SEO, it's very it's structured like it would be if you were doing a workout routine, but for your business. So that's a 60 page workbook that comes to anybody who right now subscribes. It's totally free. Uh, part of the creatives corner is community uh, challenges. So the first quarter's challenge was to create an e-course and a number of the community members did. And that workbook we used to do that is also part of that. So by subscribing, you get access to all the past community challenge workbooks, as well as the current workbook, Brand Sanity, and an invite into the Creatives Corner private mastermind community where you not only have access to me, but you have access to over a 100 other really brilliant online professionals who are there strictly to help support and guide each other to grow our brands. I friggin' love chatting with you. <laughs> what an awesome time. Julie, thank you so much for being here. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Do you see what I mean? Like, how fun is she, right? <laughs> like, you just want to go hang out with her, which I intend to do at some point. Anyways, you can go to the show notes for for links and, and everything we discussed is all going to be in the show. Again, make sure to check out julieharrisdesigns.com and make sure to connect with her in her Facebook group as well. Again, all the links are in the show notes. As always, guys, thanks so much for listening. I'd love a review on iTunes if you're up for it. Have a great day. And now I'd like to take a second to thank DreamHost, my new sponsor of the WordPress Chick Podcast. Super excited to be partnering with them. And we're going to go ahead and introduce you to DreamPress 2, which is a faster and more powerful managed WordPress hosting. Now with SSDs, PHP 5.5 with OP Cache, and optional HHVM, you won't find faster WordPress hosting anywhere. Hosted on virtual private servers, DreamPress 2 is a super fast and highly reliable managed WordPress hosting service from none other than DreamHost. They've added speed enhancing features such as solid state drives, again, the PHP 5.5 with OP cache, and the optional HHVM. 
which is Hip Hop Virtual Machine. I didn't know what that was either. Uh, so you'll never again have to risk site slowdowns, website errors, or frustrated visitors. With DreamPress 2, you get a WordPress-optimized server environment managed by your friends at DreamHost so you can focus on creating amazing results. Here's what you're going to get with DreamPress 2. And I have gone through this whole process. You'll be able to check out the videos on my site, but know that I am using them. And this, again, is what you're going to get. 30 gigabytes of SSD storage, 2.1 million monthly visitors, auto-scaling RAM, automatic WordPress installation. It is easy breezy, like better than the one click. Unlimited email addresses, 24-7 WordPress support. You can't beat that. Control panel management. It's hosted on virtual private servers and they have an isolated MySQL database servers. So if you're looking for a new host, I, you know, I've tested a lot of managed WordPress hosting and I have to say that I am thrilled with DreamPress too. So go ahead and go to the wpchick.com forward slash DreamPress2.